1: On local now, channel 525.
0: There's a lot going on surrounding the coronavirus, and and while we should be cautious and use wisdom, we must fight against living in fear. In times of crisis, you know, stress can wreak havoc in our minds and bodies if we let it. Don't get me wrong, fear is a natural emotion, but through God's word, we have power to overcome it. First Peter 5 and 7 teaches us to give all our worries and cares to Him because He cares for us. Second Timothy 1 and 7 reminds us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sometimes there's nothing you can do to control your situation, but in times like this, we look to what God has put in us to overcome what's around us. And I want to encourage you to build your faith and find peace in God's Word. Go to GraceChurchVA.org to listen to my latest series titled, No Fear. Also, get a copy of me reading all of the healing scriptures in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation as a free download. I love you, I'm praying for you, and we will get through this together.
1: We are excited to announce the Live Big television broadcast is back on BET on Sundays at 7 a.m. There are a few other changes, so visit derekreer.com to view the full broadcast schedule and much more. You were made to think
0: big, too big. Tomorrow can be bigger. Yeah. Just grow, let the world overflow. Yeah. Give a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Give a life
1: bigger than yourself. Hello. Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. We are so glad that you joined us today. We believe that the truth of God's word will empower you to live a life so big that it impacts everyone and everything around you. As always, you can get this message and more at GraceChurchva.org. Let's join Dr. Greer for today's Live Big Message.
0: We're gonna to get to Matthew 11.1 in a moment. In you know, my prayer time before service, one word kept coming to me it was sanctification. It's a big word, it's a word we don't normally use in our everyday vocabulary, but it's really coming to heart while Ephraim was ministering. A lot of people in this room have gifts, and that's great, but very few people have become servants of their gifts. You know, I try to talk about what I do, and you think I'm talking about me, but I'm really talking about you. Over the last two years, you know, God, God has gifted me, did some things to I me, mean, it was terrific. But it really wasn't until the last two years that I finally became a slave to my gift. And if you want to excel at anything in God's kingdom, the least becomes the greatest. If you want to become the greatest in the kingdom, you must become servant of all. And in these last couple of years, I have spent countless hours late in the night, early in the morning, studying God's Word like never before with an intensity I never had before. And I didn't realize in those moments, you know, I thought that I had given my life to the Lord. But when he waked wake me up at four o'clock in the morning or keep me up late at night and I can't do this and can't do that, and that's when I realized how unsurrendered I really was. And This is a moment here at Grace, particularly as you read this this book, Tortured for Christ. We complain about so much. The real issue, these guys had to be sanctified and set apart for their purpose in order to do their thing. And Grace, if we're going to reach this generation for Christ we are going to have to give ourselves to the gifting God's given us and really give ourselves over to serving it to others and, and do what we've not uh, really imagined and get beyond comfortable and all the rest. And um, I believe in, in this season that the watchword is sanctification, being separated unto your purpose, going after with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, laying other things aside and, and really going after that thing that God has gifted you for, in life. Matthew 11 and verse 1. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to what? Teach and what? Preach in their cities. We see here that Jesus did two things. What did he do? He teached. I know that's not grammatically correct, but he teached and preached. You'll notice in Scripture that whenever these two terms come together, teaching always, always precedes preaching. Acts 5 and verse 42, we're going to see the same thing with the disciples. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not what? Cease teaching and what? Preaching that the Christ is Jesus. The disciples were great preachers. But they were first teachers. Teaching should always, in the household of God, hold the preeminence and the prominent position in the household of faith. The word here for teaching is the term didasko, where we get our word didactic from, and it simply means to inform or to demonstrate. Next, we're going to look at the two words in the Scriptures that are typically translated uh, preaching. Again, didasco for teaching, but two terms for preaching. The first one is cariso. It simply means to proclaim. But the second word is where we get our term evangelism. It's evangelizo, which means to announce good news. Now, cariso focuses on the matter or the proclamation of the thing, but uh, evangelizo focuses on the content of the proclamation. So both cover the same thing. It's just one is a little more in depth. Let's go to Acts 15 and verse 35, and we're going to see Paul following this same pattern. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch. What were they doing? And what comes first? Teaching and what? Preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. There was a whole lot of folks doing it, but these guys were kind of leading it up. Now, preaching focuses on what we should believe or what we should do, but teaching focuses on the how and the why. Preaching is the what. Teaching is the what, how, and the why. 1 Timothy 1 and 11. Here, the first time in Scripture, we're going to see a reverse order, and we're going to discover the reason for it. Paul's about to share his personal story, and he says this. He says, for which I was appointed what a preacher, and it's listed first, an apostle and teacher. In my life, my ministry happened very similarly to, to Apostle Paul. Here, I'm no Apostle Paul, but it's just a very, very similar pattern. Now, when he talked about his calling and how he went into the ministry, he started off first as a preacher and then kind of stepped into his teaching role. For me, I was 22 years old, and I would known the Lord for about two years. And during a Monday night prayer meeting in the basement of Rankin Chapel at Howard University, it happened. Everybody was was sharing, didn't expect this to happen. I was totally shocked by the events of that evening. But our manner was to go around the circle and share with the Lord's place in your heart that week. And then we go into a time of prayer. But when my turn came up, I opened my mouth and I preached for a whole half hour it was like a fire hydrant. I didn't even know how to stop it. It was, it was, just, it was just coming out and, and coming out. Scriptures I didn't know I knew were just coming out, and there was a loud proclamation of the Word of God. People in the room got really excited, but it scared me to death. I didn't plan on it. I didn't think about it, but it just gushed out like a river. And after this event, I went home shaking. But for the next 18 months, Several hundred students at the university got saved because of this gushing out and this hydrant that was pouring forth out of this this young guy that had only known the Lord for a little while. And this is how it happened with Paul. Acts 9 and verse 18. He'd been knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus and he was blinded by that light in verse 18 says immediately some something like scales fell from his eyes. He couldn't explain exactly what they they were. It was a spiritual situation, but there was some stuff left on his eyes. He, and he again there's no medical uh, uh designation for this. By the way, Luke who wrote this was a doctor, but he couldn't find this in his books. And uh he he regained his sight. Then he got up and what was he what what happened? What did he do? He got baptized. How many you baptized? Man, if you want to be a follower of Christ, you need to take the next step after accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. You need to, to enter into baptism, which is simply a ceremony rec- recognizing that uh, what happened to you is genuine, and it's kind of like a wedding. As I've said in the past, you, you love each other before the wedding, but the, the wedding is the actual public ceremony where you say, "Before all, you know what? Uh, you know we've forsaken all others. You know you and me, et cetera, et cetera." And the baptism was the same way in the ancient world. and taking food, he was what? Strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. So it was just a short time. He he, he hang out with the disciples, changed his company. He wasn't running around with uh, the same uh, leaders of the law that, that he was uh, involved with before. But watch this. Verse 20, and what? Immediately. God gave me two years. But with Paul, it happened immediately. Immediately, what did he do? He proclaimed. The term here is cariso, which means preach he go into the the the, the 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 synagogues talk about Jesus Christ, what, what. That was his attitude, and he make a proclamation. There wasn't a whole lot of teaching, and and, and preaching has a what, what to it. It's a, it's a declaration. There's a strength to it, and, and it's not really trying to appeal to your mind. It's trying to reach your heart and move you in a certain direction. So he would go into the synagogue, not again trying to put his pinky in people's ear. He'd go in there proclaiming, and they'd often try to kill him and, and all the rest. But the, this was his ministry, and this is what he did. Immediately, he preached Jesus in the synagogue saying he is what? The son of God. Again, teaching is reaching the mind, but preaching is more about impacting the will and moving the heart. Both things are important, but we must keep them in proper order. It's not fair to you for me to preach, pray always. You must always pray, but not to take the time to teach you how to pray. It becomes a frustration. If I'm saying you got to pray, you got to pray, and then start singing, praying, and then we, pray, and, we and we just pray, praying, and man, you're like, yeah, I want to pray, but, but you don't know how to do it. It would be mean. So God says, teach the people, then preach to the people. You hear what I'm saying? So teaching and preaching are very, very important. And the reason last week I emphasized teaching is, again, because we often in the church get the cart before the horse. We do a whole bunch of preaching, very little teaching. So again, you know, people want to pray, but they don't know how to pray. They they want to get out of financial mess, but they don't know how to get out of financial mess. You understand? They want their marriages to work, but they don't know how. They want to be men, but they don't know how to be men. No one taught them. They didn't have a daddy in their house either. You know what I'm saying? So preaching is the companion of teaching, and they should never be separated. Are you hearing me? Second Timothy 4 and verse 1. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. How many of you know that sounds strong? Who is the judge of the living and the dead, and and by his appearing and his kingdom, I adjure you. And, And what Paul's saying, listen, Timothy, I love you and everything, but I'm not playing with you. You will one day stand before God and give an answer for your ministry. And he looks at, now it seems that Timothy was more of a teacher. But he looks at Timothy and he uses this word evangelizo. He says, preach the word. He said, Timothy, stop being so timid. Stop always explaining and get back to proclaiming and leave it to me to help people figure it out after it said, you hear what I'm saying? And then he said, Timothy, be ready in season. Timothy, when you feel like it and out of season, Timothy, and when you don't. Feel like it. And then he says some things. He says, reprove, rebuke. If you never feel corrected while I'm standing behind this desk, you need to go find yourself a real church with a real pastor. There's not a lot of amens there, but y'all <laughs> ought to amen that. That's Bible. He said this preach will correct people. It will rebuke people. But then it says something very, very important. And exhort. So preaching will confront and and challenge you. It will sometimes cut you. But it will also encourage you and build you up. You should have Sundays that after listening to the word of God, there's so much faith in your heart. You walk to the National Zoo, open up a lion cage, and then go bite a lion on the nose. (laughs) And then slam the cage behind you, talking about what? You hear what I'm saying? (laughs) That ought to happen. When you hear the divinely preached word of God, a boldness comes over you and you just kind of slam the cage door. Yeah, Who's the lion now? You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what happens when you get in the presence of holy preaching. Yeah. Psalms 18 and 21, 29, let's listen to David's attitude. He said this, for by you, with God on my side, I could run against a troop. said, I will run into battle, not, a, not, not from it. I ain't afraid of nobody. I will take on the Navy SEALs. You hear what I'm saying? I will take on special... I, it, with God on my side. And by my God, I can leap over a wall. Every obstacle in my way. You hear what I'm saying? Every problem, every mountain I'm facing... Lord, if you're with me, I can do this thing. And after you've been taught, and it's followed up by preaching, mountains move. You hear what I'm saying? Things that were in your way move out of your way, and there's a boldness that that comes through you. But the two of them must be coupled. We must have a zeal with knowledge. Boldness based on fact and truth. But when they're separated, that's when danger presents itself. 2 Timothy 4 and 3. Paul was trying to mentor this young guy, young pastor. He was probably in his early 40s. Paul had seen the world, traveled the world. and He's in prison, by the way, at this point. Paul says this. He says, son, the time is coming. Now in the first century, This time was coming, but I've preached for 25 years, and I know it's not coming anymore. It's here, and it's right now. He said, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. A strange day would come when people in the church won't even hear Scripture. They won't even want to hear the Bible or what the Bible has to say. But having what? Itching ears. You know how you want to scratch after a mosquito bit you? But you know that if you scratch the itch, it's the worst thing you can do. And what he's saying in these last days, people are going to surround themselves by teachers and preachers that instead of giving life, they suck the very life out of you and then leave there talking about they had church. He said in the last days, there's going to be people with sick, Twisted and itching ears that will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own what? Passions. See, what he's saying is people will, will shop for pastors like they do a new suit or a new car. Instead of asking, God, are you going to use this man to bring me closer to God? God, does this man even know you? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yo, the, the biggest question is, are my kids happy? Is this man gonna tell me what I wanna hear? Is this guy like the pastor I came from? He's saying in the last days, the concern is not gonna be, does he have the mind of God? The concern's not gonna be, did he hear from God before he opened his mouth? The question's not gonna be, is he going in the direction that God told him or her to go? The question's gonna be Does he make me feel comfortable? Yeah. And people will gather around themselves, leaders such as this, and, and they will turn away from listening to truth, which is the Word of God. Today I'm watching on television leaders, some political and others in, in other realms, using the rhymes, rhythms, and cadences that came out of our holy history. To move people against the clear teaching of Scripture. I've heard a politician sound like he preached a sermon against the Word of God. But people excited, people happy, clapping. Paul called that itching ears, Paul called that a condition that needs to be healed. Now, I enjoy the cadences and the rhyme and the rhythm, and I enjoy all that, but what I'm listening to is the substance. What you need to be listening for is the substance. Are they preaching Christ or another Christ? Is it the gospel or another gospel? And you have to make that determination. These are the last days. And the angel, the the devil dresses up, you know, as an angel of light. So you need to know this book and what this book says. The Holy Spirit hasn't changed his mind over the centuries. He said, oops, I made a mistake. You know what? I'm going to change that because y'all are more modern and contemporary. Y'all are much smarter than you. When you were dumb, that was my word to you. When y'all were peasants and farmers. But now that y'all sophisticated, I'm going to change up. Some people will applaud that. Say Amen. And God looks down and shakes his head. It says they'll wander off in the midst. 2 Timothy 1 and 5. In 2 Timothy, Paul has given Peter, I'm sorry, Paul has given Timothy a serious talking to here. You read 1 Timothy, his church was growing and expanding. They were talking about different bishops, deacons, and, and, you know, if you want to put someone in position, this is what you need to do to qualify because the church was growing. But something happened between the two books. And what happened was the persecution of Nero. And we'll pick up on that in a minute. He said, Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. But Timothy, in this hour, sincerity is not enough. You also need to be bold. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Timothy, you have a legacy of of greatness, man. You, You have a history that... A lot of folks don't have, and you need to tap in it. For this reason, though, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God. Timothy, I need you to bring some heat. Timothy, you're talking real nice, teacher, real nice, but Timothy, you're no longer bringing heat. And when you are in the presence of the Word of God, there ought to be some heat. He said, Timothy, don't become so professional in your preaching that it loses its fire. He said, fan into a flame the gift of God. Today, everybody's flaming except the people who ought to be flaming. (laughs) Timothy's job was not to give a three-point message and and, you know, kind of motivational speech and maybe a hoop at the end to really get the people excited and pat everybody on the head and make them believe they went, they had church. This is why the world laughs at us. A Muslim will pray five times a day. Don't care who's watching where he is. He will turn toward Mecca and pray. But some of us can't even pray over a food in our restaurant. Someone might judge me. Oh, no, I want to... What you made out of? Lord, thank you for this food. I don't care who's listening. I made my reservation. I'll leave a big tip. See, the problem is some of y'all, y'all talk real loud about Jesus, then leave no tip. I don't know about you. (laughs) You going to pray loud, you need to leave a big tip and represent the king right. Timothy, I know there's trouble and it's real. Listen, Rome, three-quarters of Rome had just been burned down. Nero pointed his fingers at the Christians. They were being put to death in, in, in the arenas and torches in his garden. And, 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 and man, it was, it was a bad time. And every time somebody knocked on his door, Timothy was thinking, are they coming for me? And that's why uh, Paul had to say to Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach. Say, so I know you're upset. I know you got an upset indigestion problem. He was dealing with real crisis. They could really take not not just his 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 uh, uh, alter ego. They would take him, his kid, and his wife to jail. You hear I me? Mean? A lot of us get out and preach and teach with our alter ego, but it's not real. This was going to be real. He was going to go to real jail. You hear what I'm saying? They were going to put him into a real arena with real lions, with real bears, and, and real men with swords, and, and people going to really make sport of him. Yeah. This was real. He said, Timothy, I've been around for a while, and in moments like this, it's not time to turn it down. It's time to turn it up, boy.
1: This has been Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live big. Listen to this message and much more from Dr. Greer for free at gracechurchva.org. We invite you to join Dr. Greer and the Grace Church family here in Dumfries, Virginia, not far from Quantico Marine Base. We would love to meet you and have you join us for worship, teaching, and fellowship every Sunday and Wednesday. Get directions, service times, and much more at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Join us weekdays at this time for the teaching ministry of Dr. Derek Greer. And remember, until next time, live big.
0: Hello, radio family. This is Dr. Derek Greer. Due to the COVID crisis, our already crazy schedules have shot through the roof. But in particular, please pray for pastors and church staffs as we navigate through this incredibly difficult season. You know, our government has pledged to graciously support many businesses in this crisis, but churches are are largely on our own. And if we don't support God's voice in our communities, no one else will. So don't forget your local church. Lastly, I want to remind you that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you, and my Bible says he will keep you as the apple of his eye. There's nothing ahead of you that's bigger than the God that lives on the inside of you. In times like these, it's really vital that we keep our hearts full of God's Word. So if you want to hear faith-filled messages or get a copy of me reading through all the healing scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, go to gracechurchva.org for free downloads. I love you, and our only goal is to help keep you strong. God bless you.